In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. In the seminary that we have here, Mar Abba Seminary, we have a list of chores for every seminarian. So when I was a seminarian, everyone would, you know, rotate every week to make sure they cover one of the chores. One of them was washing the dishes. So we had a seminarian, I won't mention who he is, but he was uh, infamous for breaking every cup every time he was on that chore, okay? Uh, we knew every time he was on the washing of the dishes chore, something would break. He would drop a cup, break a plate, I don't know. It, was, it became like a joke, but it was, it was something real. So the reason why it was such a nuisance is because, okay, what happens when a glass cup falls on the ground and breaks? It shatters everywhere, right? It becomes a nuisance because you have so many little pieces, you know, in every corner of the kitchen, and, you know, you have to make sure you, you know, sweep it, sweep it twice, make sure there's no other objects, because obviously if you step on it, it's not, it's not good. And this sort of becomes and could be compared to what Jesus is talking about in this gospel today when it has to do with innocence. Imagine innocence, our own innocence, maybe the innocence of others, being like that glass cup. When you drop it, the pieces go everywhere. And if I were to tell you, please grab every piece of glass that just fell and broke and put it back together, you would look at me like I'm crazy, right? Why would you look at me like I'm crazy? It's because it's nearly impossible to do. How could anyone, any human being, be able to find every single piece and put it back together to make that cup a cup again? Because it's no longer a cup. And this is a big deal for Jesus, the loss of someone's innocence. It's one thing for us to lose our own innocence, but it's another thing to lose our own innocence and take someone else's innocence away from them. That's what really takes Jesus to give us this very serious illustration of what should happen to us when we take someone's innocence. He says it would be better for you to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and thrown into the depth of the sea. Jesus is giving very harsh words when it comes to taking someone else's innocence away. Now, why is he saying this? He's also saying this because he's responding to the question that the disciples had. They had a question saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He doesn't say, you know, it's you know, going to be the Trinity, then Mother Mary, then, you know, Padre Pio, then St. Joseph, and all these saints. He doesn't answer that way. He says, unless you turn and become like this child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And if you cause this child to sin, then it would, better, it would be better for you to be thrown into the depth of the sea with a millstone wrapped around your neck. When it comes to the kingdom of heaven, we can't really think about where our place in heaven is if we're caught up with taking our own innocence away and the innocence of others. Now, how does this work in a sort of practical form? What does it mean to take someone's innocence away? It's not only, Jesus is obviously not talking about physically a child. Obviously, you should never scandalize children. <laughs> but it's more of people that are innocent at heart. It could be adults, where maybe we're the ones that are taking their innocence away by spreading gossip around them, by causing them to fall into sin. 
Maybe we're causing them to fall into sexual immoralities. Maybe we're causing them and pressuring them. We're seeing sins that we're doing. Brothers and sisters, we're causing them to be that cup that breaks and shatters. And imagine you having to tell that person, oh, by the way, sorry I took your innocence away. Now go and gather every single one of those small pieces of glass and put it back together. They're going to have that same answer with, I can't, because you broke it. And another sort of layer to this problem is, T.S. Eliot mentions this in one of his poems called The Wasteland. He says, misery loves company. Maybe some of you have heard that before. Misery loves company. When we're miserable or we're going down a path of misery, what's the first thing we do? You text a friend, you call a friend. Hey, you want to join me? Hey, do you want to be miserable with me? We obviously aren't that explicit about it. But that's one of the reasons why we always need someone to be with us when we sin, is because we're gonna sort of have this illusion of thinking we're making ourselves feel a little better. Now let's say we have been the problem of taking someone's innocence away, with whatever sin it is. You could think about that and meditate on that yourselves. Or let's say we're the ones whose innocence has been taken away from us. Where does that take us now? Because Jesus, he makes it very clear in this gospel today that we're not the ones to fix ourselves, to turn and become like a child again, to turn and get our innocence back again. We can't do that on, on our own. Again, imagine if I told you, go and pick up those glass pieces again. You can't do that on your own. You need someone to help you. You need, you need someone to walk with you. And it's not the end of the world. Turning and becoming like this child that Jesus puts in the midst of the disciples means that we rethink our decisions. We rethink the way we're living our lives. And this has everything to do with examining our conscience. Actually sitting down in silence for five minutes a day. It won't kill you, I promise and thinking to yourself, what did I do to cause other people to sin? You know why that question is so important? Because the answer to that will determine whether you're sending someone to hell with you or not. It's one thing to send ourselves to hell by the decisions that we make. It's another thing for G different thing. Taking someone and dragging them down, down with you, that's a whole different thing. Once we examine our conscience and we're able to come to an understanding, okay, maybe I have caused other people to sin. Maybe people have caused me to sin, and I was so easy to say yes. No matter where we're at on both sides. Jesus today, he's giving us another side of hope because he also doesn't want us to despair and say, okay, there I go, my innocence has been taken away. I've done one, two, three and I've caused this person to, to do A, B, C. He doesn't want us to fall into despair either, but he wants us to turn to him. When we examine our conscience, that means we're examining where God is in our hearts. When we find out where God is in our hearts, that is an awakening for us to help us get on the right track and to rethink our decisions. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus, he left us with the sacrament of confession. Confession is not there just, you know, 
when I, when I feel like going. Confession is there for this reason. Jesus brings back all of these pieces that are scattered all around. He brings them back and makes us whole again. He makes us his children again. He makes us and allows us to continue to live in his image and likeness every day of our lives. Let us trust him in being the Lord of our lives. Let us trust him in guiding our lives. And let us trust him that he is able to do what no other person in this world could do, and that is to bring us back to innocence. Amen.